Poker Tov, good morning everyone. Welcome to the Aliyah Day. Good to be with you. It's a brand new week. Every time I say that, I feel like we need to sing like a Disney song. Uh, but anyway, it's a brand new week and it's uh, a new, new parasha, parasha Ekev. Glad you're here. It's been a great uh, weekend thus far. The drosh yesterday, I know I gave it, not trying to be, uh, you know, whatever, but it was good. It was, it was good, uh, uh, you know. Um, it was just a blessing. Most of the, uh, you know, what's cool about the drosh is I, I put together some notes, some some highlights, some uh, um, insights. I want to I want to talk about. I want to mention. I want to read, and uh, pretty much everything else is is just comes on the fly. <clears throat> Aside from the the um, the inside, rarely do I have any thoughts that I write down. Uh, that, that happens on a rare occasion. But, um, and so it's, so, uh, you know, having, giving the draws is like, it's like uh, I'm hearing it just like you are. It was really good. It's really good. Lots of good, I think, inspirational things uh, in there um, that, uh, and I had so many people yesterday, uh, and I'm very thankful for that, tell me, how impactful it was to them, and I'm glad. So I'm just telling you, in case you're tuning in here, and um, you know you didn't get a chance to see it for some reason, or maybe you're brand new, then you can uh, tune in to uh, our Sarshalom Synagogue channel or the live stream channel and see uh, the drosh. It was uh, it's worth uh, watching or maybe rewatching, perhaps if you haven't uh, if you haven't if you've already seen it, maybe you want to see it again. So. Uh, the the drosh from August first, twenty twenty, on uh, Parashah et Kanan. We're studying the book of Genesis all year long, and we're in the book of Yosef, and and so Yosef has just been amazing. So it's wonderful. And um, next year, Bezrat Hashem, we'll get into the study of of uh, Shemot. We'll be uh, spending an entire year in the book of Exodus, exploring the Exodus. So. We'll be doing that, and I think that's so uh, so powerful because I've said for oh I don't know a couple of decades now that if you don't understand the Exodus, you're not going to be able to understand the gospel message. I would also liken that to understanding the, the story of of Yosef. You don't understand the story of Yosef. By the way, there was a I told uh, Shlomo last night that uh, there is a, a a divine Messiah drop that I really didn't get a chance to share. Sorry, fixing my shirt here. It's kind of bothering me. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, um, Divine Messiah uh, drop, because uh, we understand the Mashiach has to be divine, and remember that in the story woven into the story of this mortal man, Yosef, l- layered behind that is is the story of the Divine Messiah. You have to understand that when you're reading the story. Um, it's not just about Yosef, but it's telling us about the, the Mashiach to come, which is why there are so many similarities between Yosef's life and the life of Mashiach. But Yosef said to the baker and to the wine steward, he said to them, don't you know, don't you understand, don't you realize or, that dream interpretations belong to God? His very next statement was, so tell them to me. <laughs> so... If you think about that, now on the on the surface, the Peshat level reading is, hey, God is going to give me the interpretation. I have the gift of interpretation. The interpretation ultimately comes from God, so give it to me. That's the Peshat level. But 
the uh, the deeper level, maybe the maybe the the drosh level is dream interpretations come from God. Tell me your dream. That's a divine uh, Messiah drop uh, on that. So Baruch Hashem, welcome everybody. Glad you are here. Um, from across a fruited plain, I've been talking here. People have been jumping on. Already up to 52 participants from across uh, the world. I know Africa saw Africa was on here. Not sure about Holland this morning or Germany. You may be there. Uh, we have people watching from California to uh, to uh, Nova Scotia, from Canada uh, to Florida. So glad you are uh, in the house. It's going to be great. Our best days... Our very best days, the days of new beginnings, of transitions, uh, those days are just ahead of us. The very best days are ahead of us. Uh, all of this uh, nonsense that we see going on in the world, um, Hashem's about to turn that around. And uh, the enemy is uh, frothing at the mouth with all these false narratives. Um, uh, baseless hatred, and he thinks he has the victory, he thinks he's going to win, and he's not. He's not going to win. You know why he's not going to win? Because we're going to pray, we're going to be pressing forward. You know, the 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 kingdom of heaven, uh, the, those you, know, you belong to the kingdom of heaven, um, uh, or, or I'm sorry, it says the kingdom of heaven is violently ad advancing, forcibly advancing. Right? And those who are violent, those who are forceful, what do they do? They press into it. When you see uh, these kinds of things happen, the response is to press into it. Uh, that reminds me of, of, of an analogy, of an analogy. So um, in the Marine Corps, I ended up being in the infantry and uh, the combat, uh, obviously, uh, infantry. Um, and I was fortunate, it's kind of a funny story, but I was fortunate. I think I needed glasses back then, but I didn't realize it. Maybe, I don't know, but I didn't do, I was, I shot two, two points shy of sharpshooter. So the Marine Corps, you have rifle expert, then you have sharpshooter, and then you have marksman. So I was two points shy of sharpshooter. So I was disappointing. I didn't do very good, uh, when I was qualifying and, uh, but it turned out for the best. All right. I was disappointed. You know, it's not, you know, you're a Marine, you want to be the expert, right? So I was kind of bummed by that. Um, but it worked out for the best because all the rifle experts ended up becoming riflemen and the infantry, which is to a lot, to a large extent, the lowest level of infantrymen and people like me, they said to me and I quote, <laughs> They said, well, Griffin, maybe if you can't hit it with uh, one bullet, maybe you can hit the enemy with 200 bullets. So they sent me to the machine gunners. So I, beca I became a machine gunner, like Rambo, like the, the M60 Echo 3. That's what I fired, like Rambo's weapon, although his M60 was the first generation. Um, so I became a gunner, and, and uh, that was actually cool. It was actually uh, a lot better than being just a rifleman. But anyway, I digress. So we get to entry school, and they said to us, gunners, so I was so excited about being a gunner, and they said, uh, all right, so welcome to gunner school. On the battlefield, you have a 10-second life expectancy. All right, so I was ready to quit at that point, because <clears throat> that's not fair. 
Why? Because you have the most firepower. Everybody wants to kill you. That's what it wants to. Um, so anyway, but we were talking. This has nothing to do with what I want to tell you. Um, the kingdom of, of God forcibly advance, and those who are forceful or violent press into it. So when we were going through infantry school, um, we, we started talking about, one day we started talking about ambushes and how to, how to deal with an ambush. And um, it's quite, it, I, I'll never forget, it was quite the, the shock to realize that the way to effectively deal with an ambush is the exact opposite that most people, including myself at the time, thought. That if you're on patrol and your platoon gets hit by an ambush, that you want to run and duck for cover and you know take shelter and try to engage the enemy. Wrong, 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 wah, wah, wah. They said you will surely die. The best way to deal with an ambush is when you get hit with the ambush, you charge that ambush instantly with all the firepower you can you can front and you charge and you you know whatever 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 you go headlong into it that's the way you deal with an ambush and that's how you defeat an ambush you don't run for cover and duck behind a tree and try to you know whatever you 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 hit it so when the enemy comes into your life when you when the enemy comes into your life and ambushes you that is not the time to curl up in a, in, a, in a fetal position and cry and blame your problems on somebody else. That's the time to hit that ambush with everything you've got, with all the prayer, all the mitzvah keeping. The enemy wants to destroy you, so what do you do? You become a better Jew. You become a, a more enthusiastic Torah keeper. You become a more fervent prayer. You become a more violent soldier of God or Marine of God. That's how you deal with it. You don't sit around and just duck for cover and try to wait till it passes or whatever. You will surely die. That's the life lesson for today. The book of Acha, page 981. Nuevo 181, capítulo 7, verso 12. La palabra de Dios dice esto. This shall be the reward when you hearken to these ordinances and you observe and perform them. Adonai, your God, will safeguard you for the covenant and the kindness that he swore to your forefathers. He will love you and bless you and multiply you, and he will bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land, your grain, your wine, your oil, the offspring of your cattle, and the flocks of your sheep and goats, on the land that Adonai swore to your forefathers to give you. You will be the most blessed of all peoples. There will be no infertile male or infertile female among you or among your animals. Adonai will remove from you every illness and all the bad maladies of Egypt that you knew. He will not put them upon you, but will put them upon all your foes. You will devour all the peoples that Adonai your God will deliver to you. Your eyes shall not pity them. You shall not worship their gods, for it is a snare for you. Perhaps you will say in your heart, These nation are, nations are more numerous than I. How will I be able to drive them out? Do not fear them. You shall remember that what Adonai your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. The great tests that your eyes saw and the signs, the wonders, the strong hand, 
and the outstretched arm with which Adonai your God took you out, so shall Adonai your God do to all the peoples before whom you fear. Also the horn sworn will Adonai your God send among them. The hornet swarm, swarm excuse me, I said it's a hornet swarm. That's the, uh, what was it, the, the killer hornets that are supposed to be out nowadays or something like that? Death hornets or what, what are they called? Sigh. Anyway, um, it says, You shall not be broken before them, for Adonai your God is among you, a great and awesome God. Adonai your God will thrust these nations from before you little by little. You will not be able to annihilate them quickly. Now, now this is also an important verse. Remember last week I mentioned about the verse where it talks about that he's going to give us uh, houses we didn't build and murder hornets. That was it, murder hornets. Um, the murder hornet. I like that name, murder hornets. That's great. Anyway, we thought killer bees was something. Ha, that's the olden days. Now it's murder hornets. Um, anyway, he's going to give you houses you didn't build, uh, wells you did not dig, etc. And I'm, I told you about the dream I had, uh, kind of a recurring dream where I, I believe that Hashem is saying that there's some property that we're going to end up acquiring and so on and so on. Um, but this is also an important verse and something we need to take to heart because it says um, he's not going to give it to you all at once. See, the question becomes, well, if Hashem has other properties for us, why hasn't he given it to us already? Well, the answer to that is we're not ready for it. Because if we had it all right now, we wouldn't be able to manage it properly. And it says here he's going to give it to us little by little. And you will not be able to annihilate them quickly, lest the beasts of the field increase against you. So there's things in your life, you know, you wonder, well, how come, Hashem, I, I don't, I'm not operating in, in the fullness of, of the blessing that I, I feel like is for my life? And God says, you're not ready for that right now. You're going to have it, but you have to learn some things. You have to get some stuff in order. You're not ready for that right now. Little by little, you'll be able to, um, you know, make this happen. <clears throat> One of the arguments for us being in the wilderness, one of the, one of the things was we had to lose the slave mentality that we had, had for a couple of hundred years. And it took a generation to begin to lose that slave mentality. We had to learn some things. You know, if you just let slaves go, that, I mean, they've been tended to their whole life. Everything's been provided for them. They don't know what it's like to own business, to, to operate a business. They don't know what it's like to, to f f fend for themselves. I mean, it's terrible being a slave, but it, when you're a free person, you have, you have to provide your own meals and figure out where that's coming from. And it's not like they could just go to Walmart. And it's not like they had a, a super Walmart, you know, uh, in, in the desert of, of Zin. So they had to figure this out. And... The, one of the problems is if you, if you have slaves that have been slaves for you know several hundred years, and all of a sudden you say, "Hey, guess what?" And this, by the way, I don't I don't have to tell you. You probably figured it out. This is exactly what happened in history. Hey guys, guess what? Good news is you're free. Bye. See ya. Bye. What? I mean, come on. Think about it. When you're when you are you you were 17 or something like that, and you became 18. And maybe you went out to get your first apartment and you learned, oh my gosh, there is, what is this? Oh, it's called a water bill. Oh, it's called an electric bill. 
wait a minute, how do I pay the electric bill? Oh, I've got to go somewhere. I've got to figure that out. It took, be honest, it took a little while for you to get acclimated to that, right? And it took a little while for you to kind of get in the groove of like providing everything for yourself. Well, imagine if you had been in a situation generationally like that. So in the desert, it took us, part of the reason for that was for us to kind of be able to figure those things out. God is not going to give you everything all at once because that will overwhelm you. In other words, him holding back is, is actually grace in, in our lives. That's something that, that I've learned um, having uh, developed you know, this community all these many years that uh, I, I, I can look back and say, well, I'm glad that we didn't have all this that we have today because back then we would have been overwhelmed. Nowadays we're, we're in a groove, and, and I see how Hashem adds to us. Things don't happen overnight. By the way, you know, I have a little note in here. Let me see something. Do I have it here? There's a note I have it to myself. Actually... Maybe I didn't. Ah, here it is. I did. I actually pasted it to my desk drawer. So, you know, people through the years, uh, they've said they've been frustrated. Well, we don't have a, a mikvah. Now we do. We don't have a mikvah. We don't have an Arab, whatever. Let me listen to this, these things. The Jewish community has been alive in Dallas. It, the, the recorded history of Jews in Dallas in 1890. That's 1890. Okay, do you know when the first official mikvah was built in Dallas? According to history, and now if you have different facts, let me know. But I looked this up a long time ago. The first Jews came to Dallas in 1890. That's one eight nine zero. The first mikvah was built in Dallas, Texas, in 1961. The first Arab. The first era, you know, people right now, they're like, uh, we have a, a synagogue and people are wringing their hands and they we don't have an Erev. And people have left, a couple of, like one family, has left because they wanted to be in an Erev, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And we just got here. Like, we've had this building for, let's see now, four years? We've been here for four years. The first era in Dallas, first Jews came to Dallas in 1890. Eight, that's 1890. By the way, that's the... That's the 19th century. The first era of in Dallas was in 1993. That's 1993. By the way, I had just, I was already, I had graduated high school in 92. So in 1890, first Jews, 1993, first era of. The, the Jewish uh, community in Dallas didn't even have a synagogue. 1890, it was three years before they had their first building. You know what the Jews did in 1890? In the meantime, they rented churches. It's true. The first, uh, the first shul, the first synagogue was built in Dallas in 1937. That was 44 years after the first Jews came to Dallas. Why do I give you these numbers? Because we need to get a perspective. Ladies and gentlemen, things don't happen overnight. But we can see how things develop over time. We were the wandering Jews for a long time. We went from place to place. It became a joke, actually, that if you could find us, we knew you were committed. 
because we were never in the same place. We were having to move, and a lot of it had to do with anti-Semitism. We'd be at a church for a while, and then the, the Christians there figured out we weren't kidding, and they'd kick us out, and we'd go to another place. And we finally bought this building, thank God, and we bought it right at the right time because we, it was God's timing is perfect because, you know, we bought this building, and now we have a mikvah, and... I think next week, if I remember what Katura told me, it looks like we're going to be closing, uh, I think, on the the cemetery. So we'll have a, a Jewish cemetery. Uh, and then after that, who knows what's next. But the point being is, is that if, if God had done, given this all to us at the same time, we, 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 we wouldn't have been able to, to handle it. And know that that's true for all of our lives. That's the point. Everything has a season. Everything has a time. And this is a brand new season. This is a time of change. Things are changing. So it says, Hashem, your God, will deliver them before you and will confound them with great confusion until their destruction. He will deliver their kings into your hands and you shall cause their name to perish from under the heaven. No man will stand up against you until you have destroyed them the carved images of their gods you shall burn in the fire. You shall not covet and take for yourself for silver and gold that is on them, lest you be ensnared by it, for it is an abomination of Adonai your God. And you shall not bring an, abom an abomination into your home and become banned like it. You shall surely lower with it, and you shall surely abominate it, for it is banned. Now, most of you already know this, but you know there's there's always those folks who are who are, um, are new. You're not allowed to have idols. Uh, even for decoration. So you think, I want to bring the little fat guy statue into my house because I think it's a nice deco. I don't have any intention of worshiping it. Uh, it doesn't matter. This is very important if you come, if you're somebody, and a lot of you are, um, coming from a Christian mindset. This is something that's been, in, what's been ingrained in the Christian mind is that you can Christianize stuff. That as long as you're not worshiping uh, the god Odin, then you can keep Christmas. As long as you're not worshiping the goddess of star, then you can keep Esther. As long as you make it about Christ and not about that deity, it's fine. If you take the fat guy statue or the lady with the arms or the uh, elephant head dude, if you bring that into your into your house and it's no longer about that, it's just deco, then it's fine. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Uh, that's one of the many things... Uh, about Christianity that is a significant problem. The Word of God here says, do not bring it into your house. doesn't matter. It's totally irrelevant. This is why when Christians say, well, I know that Halloween used to be, uh, by the way, there's no use to about it. It still is a, a demonic festival uh, of the occult. It absolutely still is today, ladies and gentlemen. All you have to do is get on the Wiccan uh, websites and, and Facebook pages to see that. But they say, I know it used to be that, but it's not, or, or maybe it is to some people, but it's not to me. It's irrelevant. doesn't matter. There's nothing about that that's relevant. And, and, that, and this is critical because a lot of people are suffering today because of this uh, nonsense that we uh, uh, propagate. Somebody sent me a good uh, video that, that today about a local pastor waxing eloquently about the fallacy of separation of church and state. And it was very good what he had to say uh, from a constitutional point of view. It was excellent. 
but he was talking about, um, you know, the Ten Commandments and how we've taken them out of schools, taken them out of courthouses. And and I know the person is well-meaning, but I but again, I just have to ask the question: Why why do Christians care since they don't follow them? I mean, is it just deco? I mean, really. Um, since we don't follow, since Christians don't follow the Ten Commandments, then why do we want them up? That's the thing. That's the disconnect. That's the disconnect. I I, I pray that God helps us to help people see that if if you want to put something on display, that's great. But God God doesn't want you to display it. He wants you to do it. Okay. He didn't give us the Ten Commandments for art. He gave them for articulation. All right. Um, this is what we need to be doing. So, anyway, chapter 8, verse 1. It says, the word of the Lord says, the entire commandment. I love, this is one of those other parts where it says, kol ha-mitzvah. Now, it doesn't say mitzvot, like commandments, but mitzvah. And the Humash, if you'll notice on the on the footnotes or the or the commentary rather, it says the entire commandment. Moses stressed that no Jew could pick and choose among the commandments of the Torah. The blessing promised by God were contingent on Israel's acceptance of the entire Torah, as if all of it is in an entirety a single integrated command. This lady and gentleman is the is the, the 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 thing. This is why I just said about the Ten Commandments. If you remove the fourth commandment, then you don't have the rest. You cannot say this is so important. You you cannot say, well, I I I keep nine out of ten. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a single unit. If you remove one, you remove them all. That's how the game is played. Anything else is a delusion. If you say, well, I eat kosher, but I have a cheeseburger, you don't eat kosher. And by the way, all Jews, even the secular ones who eat shrimp, who have shrimp tails hanging out of their mouth, know that to be true. There could be a Jewish person who is eating a ham sandwich in front of you, and if you say to them, well, I eat kosher, but I have cheeseburgers, the Jewish person eating the ham sandwich is saying, you don't eat, you don't eat kosher. That's just one example, Okay. If you are a Jewish man and you know you claim to be a Torah follower, but you're not wearing a tallit katan on a, on a daily basis, that's the thing. It's like the whole commandment is God didn't say, "Here's my commandments. Pick the ones you like." The entire commandment that I commanded today, you shall observe to perform, so that you may live. Now listen to what God says. Very important, this sentence. The entire commandment, singular, that I command you today, you shall observe to perform. Why? Why does God want us to do it? What's God's motive? So that you may live and increase. Now don't raise your hand out there, but how many of you want to live and increase? If you don't want to live and increase... 
probably should see somebody and get some help. But if you want to live and increase, what does God say? What's the remedy to obey the mitzvah? You say, well, Rabbi, nobody's perfect. We're always making mistakes. Okay, that's true. That's why intentionality is so important in Judaism. It doesn't mean that you should use intentionality as an excuse. Okay, you have to find the proper balance. But it says here, he wants you to live and increase and come and possess the land that Adonai swore to your forefathers. I believe that this is this this is uh, on the on the Peshat level. This is obviously talking about the Holy Land, but there's also some spiritual lands that we need to possess. There's some spiritual things that we need to possess, and we need to be embracing the mitzvot. Uh, not to use another military expression, but to use another military expression. Um, we talked about the ambush, uh, especially from a machine gunner point of view. Um, we're taught, as machine gunners, we were taught to uh, to shoot for, for accuracy and things of that nature. And, and we spent a lot of time doing that. And I, I want to say, uh, to, if I could brag for a moment, I thought I was pretty good at it. Firing a machine gun is different than firing a single round at a time. It is quite different, and there's a technique to it. I actually kind of got good at it. Um, I haven't fired a machine gun in, I don't know, 20-some-odd years, 30, 30, 20-something years, so I don't know. I mean, I have to practice now, but um, anyway, but there's something called fire suppression, and in combat, uh, one one shot, one kill is kind of like the Marine Corps motto. That's nice. Um, but really, when it comes down to combat, it's fire suppression. And I was thinking about that in terms of all the different commandments that God gives us to perform. Sometimes we look at the commandments, we think, wow, we have so many, um, so many different commandments that we do. And sometimes it feels a little overwhelming. It's like, golly, every time I turn around, I'm doing a mitzvah, which is great fun. But let's, you know, sometimes in life, it's a little overwhelming. But let's let's look at it differently let's look at it like we have all these different mitzvahs that we get to, to do from kissing the mezuzah to wearing seat seat to saying a bracha every time we take a drink of water to giving to the poor to, to praying the wrapping feeling all these different things that we do right what's it called fire suppression <laughs> we're overwhelming the yetzerhara we're overwhelming the forces of darkness. We're overwhelming life with the fire suppression of God's commandments. All right, so let's, we're, I'm over my time, but let me just go ahead and, and finish reading here. It says, You shall remember the entire road on which Adonai your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness so as to afflict you, to test you, to know what is in your heart, whether you would observe his commandments or not. He afflicted you so that, and let you hunger. Then he fed you the manna that you did not know, nor did your fathers know, in order to make you know that not by bread alone does man live, but rather by everything that emanates from the mouth of God does man live. Your garments did not wear out upon you, and your feet did not swell these 40 years. You should know in your heart that just as your father will chastise his son, so Adonai your God will chastise you. You shall observe the commandments of Adonai your God to go in his way and fear him. For Adonai your God is bringing you to a good land, a land with streams of water, of springs and underground water coming forth in valley and mountain, a land of wheat, barley, grape, fig, pomegranate, 
a land of oil, olives, and date honey, a land where you will eat bread without poverty. You will lack nothing there, a land whose stone or iron and from whose mountains you will mine copper. You will eat and be satisfied and blessed on your God for the good land that he gave you. End of our Aliyah today. With God's help, we'll be back tomorrow for the second reading and more insights from Parashah Ekev. Until then, Shalom Aleichem. Have an amazing day. Have a joyful day. We'll look forward to seeing everybody. And uh, be happy, be good, and be expectant. Our best days lie ahead.